0: Hi everyone, how's it going? Can I come down? Is that all right? Yeah, 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 cool. How's it doing? It's good, it's good to be here in this part of the world again. Appreciate the invite. It's good to see Patty and John and some other friends again. It's great to be here. And um, many of you haven't met yet. It's um, it's good to see you. <laughs> My name is Alan um, from um, Lurgan direction, County Armagh. Um, and uh, from leader church, they're called Emmanuel, and um, we've um, seen God do some wonderful things, similar kind of stuff, particularly on our Sunday evenings, actually, as well as what you guys are pressing into here, so it's, it's wonderful to um, to be here and to be a little bit a part of that. Um, it's good to have a few friends with me tonight, um, uh, Ryan and Andrew are some of the young young men, so I sound like I'm old. Um, I did turn 40 this year, though, so... I'm, um, I'm dealing with it, <laughs> so it's all good, um, and it's also good to have a friend Jared uh, with, with with us as well, Jared McKenna is from Australia, but um, his um, ancestry is from here, uh, and um, uh, he is um, doing wonderful things all around the world, standing up for lots of different injustices around the world, and also is deeply powerful. He is um, doing a, a walk. He was coming here anyway to be part of our 24-7 International Conference and do some stuff with with us um, and um, felt the Lord waken him about three weeks before he came here uh, in, a, in a sort of like, well, dream, word, I don't know what it was, but some kind of pretty startling kind of waking up and, and to, to, to um, tell him to walk the border here and to pray for peace. And so um, I think they've got as far as just outside Oma. Pedigo, i think at the moment so um i'm bringing them to oma tonight they've got a day off on a sunday sabbath but he hasn't really got a day off because he's been preaching um and um they're going to walk off finishing up here on Derry and uh, on wednesday night so if you'd like to join him at any point you know he's um he's open to requests (laughs) or anybody who wants to join just pray for peace some beautiful things that have been that have been happening um so yeah it's 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 good to be here um I'd love just to not necessarily, I, I, I love to teach the Word of God, obviously, and I'm going to refer to the Word of God a lot. You'll be glad to hear. Um, but maybe rather than do a kind of exegete tonight if, or a, a proper kind of like full-on teach, I just I sort of felt like the Holy Spirit maybe just putting a number of thoughts on my heart, if that's all right. And I just I want to talk out of that place of trying to just be in stride as much as possible, if the Holy Spirit will allow us, with where you guys are and what the holy spirit is doing here it's obvious that this thing is on yeah, that um the work of the spirit and where he's bringing us to where he's bringing you to it's actually already begun yeah the sense of renewal that the holy spirit brings to his people usually before we see the break out into the streets like we long for and which every kind of move of god should then it starts with this kind of work yeah, it starts with the people surrendered to the lordship of jesus and completely open and abandoned to the moving of his spirit flowing through their lives and uh, and you can sense that in this place tonight and so hopefully a few of these thoughts will speak into your journey um so am want to hang out a little bit on prayer but i suppose just right off the top it's maybe well worthwhile just saying we like you are i think are moving in days where we're just we're living we're not we're we're happy to say we're living for a move of god in the nation yeah that's what we're living for that's what we're positioning ourselves for that's what we're preparing ourselves for and um and we've worked out along the way that even if it doesn't come jesus is still worth pursuing uh, because he's worthy and he's beautiful and revival is in him yeah and so we're looking to him. Before I kind of move on today, I'm going to ask Ryan, and it's okay, Ryan and um, Andrew have a couple of just short kind of words. Is that all right? Just to release them. Just I've been praying all week for you, and um, I just um, think what they've got is um, maybe pertinent to what we're going to say, so is that all right? Um, Come on, Ryan. You can go first.
1: Yeah. Um, So yeah, as Alan asked me to come down here, I started to, and I guess on Wednesday night, uh, God kind of brought me back to, in the summer there, I'd done a wee bit of a a pilgrimage through the north of Spain, uh, the Camino de Santiago, um, and it was absolutely stunning. There was these beautiful scenes, the the mountains and trees, and it was was amazing, but the irony was that I found myself a lot of the time (laughs) looking at my feet, looking at where I was walking, looking at the path, and I remember stopping and going, like, I'm missing all of this. You know, I'm missing these these beautiful views and I felt God kind of saying that for so many of us and so often we can get so focused at just looking at our direction and looking at our mission and looking at the works that we do that we forget to actually look at Jesus and that's the reason of why we do all of this. Um, It is looking to the face of Jesus and through that we get the love that, that compels us to actually go out and do this stuff and gives us the purpose because... When you're walking and looking at your feet, you start to go, What's the point of me doing this? You know, I could be anywhere walking, but it's when you stop and you look and you see the beauty and you see that the face of Jesus that gives you a reason to do it. And um, just as we we're, we were worshipping there, I even felt God put the wee verse from Ephesians 4 um, uh, um, where Paul charges the church to walk in a manner that is worthy of their calling through humbleness, through gentleness, through patience, and through love for one another, and I felt God saying that if we are to walk in a manner that is worthy, we need to be spending time looking at the only one who is worthy, the one who is so worthy of all praise and all glory, not because he came and and tore down um, powers and things like that of of the Romans and stuff, but because he walked in a way that was patient and gentle and humble and full of love, and how we can reflect our lives off that, so spending time intentional time where we stop what we're doing we have to stop the walk stop the direction sometimes just to, to bask in the beauty of of jesus and to see the way he lived and how we can live out of that so, yeah
2: and um, yeah we were praying for you this week and but just when we were in the just praying before I had this picture of um these like embers burning and it was as if it was like around the city on the cobbled streets and paths um, and and like you guys were kind of running around the city, and every so often you would find this wee pile of embers. And it was raining and drizzly, like tonight, but there was still fire in it, there was still life. And you got down, and you start blowing into the, the fires, and you started to create those embers that was, was something to burn. Um, and it was like that sense of God's working in this city, and sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you look at the city and you're like, there's not a lot going on but there's those embers that are burning um but they have to be found at times and um, and then just as we were working and that that word ties into what ryan had shared just about where where is your sphere of influence like where are you and where are those like th- people that you need to start to, to like blow on in a non-weird way but like to start like creating that whatever god wants to do and just as we were worshiping i had a just a sense and as if god's in the whisper um, and we see that in the bible but i also think sometimes god wants to send the mighty russian wind and it's the mighty russian wind that characterizes every revival but it's the whisper that sustains the revival and i just feel like god was looking to speak that over you guys that right now he's, he's teaching you what the whisper sounds like so whenever that wind comes whenever that power comes whenever that moving in the city comes that you're that it wouldn't just be something that lasts a few months and then dies but it would be something that lasts and lasts and lasts and you're you'll be part of that
0: thank you ryan and andre so i, I just hopefully that encourages you you can test those words obviously um together and um we we'll pray that if they're of the lord that they'll stick and do what they birth fruit. um but i, I just really want to encourage you to feel like you know you you are you're in step The Spirit, Paul encourages the church to stay in step with the Spirit. And um, I want to encourage you to feel like you're in step with the Holy Spirit. To Feel that he's finding a resting place for him to abide. He wants to, um, he's obviously in us, working in us, maybe even prior to salvation. He's certainly in us as a deposit, as the Bible teaches us, when we get saved but he does love to come on us. He does love to come and rest on us. And, um, and we sense that the Holy Spirit is here. And I think this is a microcosm of what the Lord is doing around the world at the moment. Uh, the media might not tell you that. And, uh, and some of the stats around the church might not tell you that. But um, despite the fact that culture is actually exhausting itself now, it's wearing itself out, despite the fact that the world is deconstructing itself into some kind of what appears like meaningless abyss, Uh, despite the fact that we're back, it would seem again, to the politics of fear and division, and despite the fact that lots and lots of places, unfortunately, the church is hemorrhaging, despite all of that fact, it's becoming more and more clear that the Holy Spirit is gathering a remnant, A faithful witness of people who are hungry who want to turn from their self-centered ways who are desperate for change who are fed up with their own attempts who don't want to build any more monuments but are actually happy to trust and surrender to the movement of the spirit and um, that kind of shift from monuments to movements is kind of the Bible story isn't it? Like from Babel (laughs) to, to Pentecost that's what we're that's what we're seeing, and that's what we're trusting, and that's what we're leaning towards. And around the world, it would seem to me, a new holy discontent is rising up from the hearts of men and women. And I think what we're watching right now, and you, you take these thoughts, I, I could, this is my angle on it, I'm not saying it's the truth, but it seems to me that what we're watching right now is the world unravel. And and, and in a sense, I think that is... Uh, uh, just really want to be careful with this kind of language. <clears throat> in a sense, I do think that's a judgment of God, but I think it, when we understand that, we, we, need to, we need to think carefully about how we understand that word. But I think what we're watching is God allowing the sin systems of the day that people have put their trust in, the principalities and powers, the ways of living independently of Him. We're kind of seeing where they're leading us to, because we have to be so careful when we talk about this, because. Remember, it says, John 3, verse 17. We like verse 16, don't we? We all know it off by heart, yeah? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then it says, I think this is maybe on the screens, it says, um, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, Stan condemns already because they have not believed in the name of this God's one and only son. And so God is coming and God's posture is actually not to condemn, but to draw souls, men and women, to save the world through himself. (laughs) And, um, And so into the context that we're living in, I think everything is being shaken. And I think there's a a shaking that's happening to an extent in the church as well. And when times like this come where it seems like culture is exhausting itself, if you look at your church history or you look at revival history, as doom and gloom as that can seem, as in the Charles Dickens, it says the worst of times and the best of times, there comes an opportunity for the people of God who are hungry for his presence, who are willing to sacrifice their lives, to follow Jesus into death, onto life, <clears throat> that it's in and through them that a, a move of God can happen. And that's what we believe he wants to do. And so what we think he's doing at the moment with us and what I sense in a very similar way he's doing with you is he is He's renewing us. He is, he is calling us um, to... I think repent of the things that our hearts are tethered to. The loves and the affections of our heart. It's not so much maybe sometimes the way we were brought up in Sunday school where it's just about stopping doing the bad things so you can be a good boy and girl and God. You know, it's a bit more than that. It's God saying, I actually want your loves. I want the affections of your heart. I want the things that your heart gets tethered to. I want those things that demand just more of your time because, you see, God is a father, perfect. All his ways are just, perfect in love. And he cannot let us settle for a diminished form of his love. Otherwise, it wouldn't be perfect love. Yeah, and so he invites us. And this is where I think you guys are at the moment, right? He invites, and he's always been wanting to do this. Like you look, we could do a whole sermon series here on Abraham and Moses and all these kind of like key moments throughout the Bible where he's always been looking at people that will love him in the same way as he loves them. And that's pretty profound, actually. He's always been putting before us the invitation, if you like, an invitation to become, to love him in the same way as he loves us. And it's a beautiful kind of arrangement because he pours that love into us so that we can give him that love in, in return. Um, and I think God's doing this all over the world. We just uh, celebrated um, 20 years of nonstop prayer, 24-7 prayer all around the world um, about two weeks ago. And um, I think it's just even that, 20, day, 20 years of nonstop prayer, night and day prayer around the world for the last 20 years. 25 years ago or 30 years ago, people talked about this when I was growing up in church and the places where you needed to go to see night and day prayer were South Korea, yeah? And, and now, 20 years later, night and day prayer, and a lot of it's been in Europe, right? So, Well, it's all gone a bit crazy out there, and it's easy to feel fear. Spurred is at work and yet it feels like even after all those 20 years it's just about starting to hot up <laughs> it feels like in some ways we're just getting going and ironically what we're finding is pete greg who's somebody you'll know who started the movement put it like this he said about 20 years ago it felt like we were part of the cool kids where all the people were like planting churches and deconstructing and emerging churching and da 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 and da 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 and it was all like you were part they were all part of that the guys at birth 24 7 prayer and it felt like he said that they walked out of the cool kids classroom where all these emerging models of church were happening and they walked out into the playground on their own and they said we're going to try and work out how to pray and everybody was like, what? And seasoned leaders, like if I named them, you would know them. And I don't wanna do that because they want to be like about a shame thing. And I'm, I'm sure they've maybe changed their mind, but like Pete remembers talking to them about prayer and revival, and literally they laughed at him in those days. And now, now they're all coming back and saying, tired of our own stuff. We're tired of our own attempts. We're desperate for the Spirit of God. We're desperate for his presence. And God is moving in profound ways. We just heard incredible reports of what God's been doing in America. We, <clears throat> we heard of um, a conference of Method, of the United Methodist Church in America, which is in a really kind of difficult kind of moment. And um, three and a half thousand ministers standing, and they were challenged with the fact that it's something ridiculous, like almost like by the year 2050, another 20 um, million, 40 million young people will have left the church. And they were challenged, at what point are we going to get desperate? And um, as they responded to the Lord, we were just hearing about how, I think what you guys have started to experience a little bit of repentance, travailing, started to break out right across the whole auditorium as men and women fell on their faces before the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive them (laughs) to repent of the things that we've held to like none of us particularly for ministers but none of us got into it because we wanted to play the political game really we got into it because we love Jesus and we wanted to see the kingdom come and somewhere along the way the whole thing got a bit weird because the principalities and powers that work influenced in different ways and so what we want to do is we want to be people uh, surrender. So I say that by just way of saying to encourage you. I do think the Holy Spirit is converging all around the world, uh, a, a circuit board of relationships. Uh, who have had enough of? Have had enough of playing games beyond building their own empires? Want to lay down their own ambitions? Want to push beyond the culture wars? Want to push beyond winning arguments? Want to push beyond all of that stuff? to believe God and ask God to round the heavens and come down, to stir up an imagination for an awakening and revival. And the reason he wants to do that is because, first of all, he wants his bride back, because he loves his bride and he wants to just layer on it his love and his beauty. And secondly, because he doesn't just want to revive the church, he wants to rewire the culture he wants to renew his people so that in the streets and in our cities and all around us the atmosphere starts to shift and change. I like what Mark Sayers says that renewal, is it revival is renewal gone viral? <laughs> yeah. Something starts to happen amongst God's people and it starts to spread. Because when it is the fullness and the full abandonment of the life of the Spirit, it will result in movement. There's a degree to which it's unstoppable when we take our hands off it. And that's what happened in the early church. When the Spirit was poured out, the dunamis element to the, that power that will be in, you'll be endued with and have from, right, that, that dunamis of the Spirit, the, the dynamic there is the catalyzation of movement. And when we are fully surrendered to the Spirit, and when we recognize that he birthed the church, he led the church, he orchestrated the church, and he's still the main main orchestrator of the church, something happens that is beyond us. And we watch, we watch, and we wait, and we allow the Spirit to move in us. And I think what we're learning at the moment is what many of us have known for years, but there's a fresh reality coming to it that, the move of god that we long for is burst out of contending prayer and intercession as we just become one with the heart of god i like what walter wing says history belongs to the intercessors those who believe and pray the future into being intercessory prayer is spiritual defiance of what is in the way of what god has promised <clears throat> We come into the hot, we come into a place of intimacy with God. We get His heart, and we start to pray it back to Him. And so, this is what I think the Lord's been saying to me, to us, and what He's maybe saying to you at the moment. Uh, last year, on my 39th birthday, I woke up on my birthday and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, "I was going to do something crazy for my 40th, like climb Kilimanjaro or something like that." But it was just really like pipe dream. That you know it's never probably really going to happen or do a big walk and I, I was thinking about something to do and i felt just the holy spirit say to me um in a gentle whisper just i want you to go and visit as many different revival sites as you can in your 40th year so um i've tried to do that tried to do my own little revival year mixed in with a few holidays and stuff like that i have to say and so i've visited sites this year i've been in the places here in our own land Comic noise hundreds of you know lots and lots of prayer over the years down patrick saul church bangor abbey 200 years of prayer they reckon on on our island kales in the 1859 revival i went to all of those places I was in uh, america for my birthday on the west coast so i went to azusa street stood on the square there and i went to anaheim where the holy spirit obviously moved and birthed so much that has been a blessing to the church through the Vineyard Church. I've been, I went to Newport Beach where during the Jesus movement, they reckon they baptised 10,000 young people over two years. It was a beautiful place to get baptised right enough, but (laughs) it was beautiful. And then on my birthday itself, which is the 13th of August, I freaked out when I realised this about three years ago, that the Moravian Pentecost, which was the prayer meeting that happened in 17, it was birthed, the prayer movement was birthed on the 13th of August, my birthday, 1727, initiated a hundred years of night and day prayer. And um, they said that the, 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 the they used a the verse in Leviticus, you know, that the fire would never go out day and night. And that catalyzed pretty much the modern day mission movement. They started to send missionaries all over the world. And... Um, And so I I went there on my birthday because they still, on the 13th of August, every year have um, a a communion service because there was reconciliation right at the heart of it. The Moravians were peasant people who had fallen out with one another and they came together around the communion and the Holy Spirit broke out as they reconciled to one another in this initiated night and day prayer for 100 years. And so uh, I went to this service that they still have in a little... German Lutheran Church thinking this was going to be like amazing the Holy Spirit was going to come and I was going to like, fall down and it was going to be wonderful and then I realized the whole the whole service was in German <laughs> and he, he, here's the reality in every one of those places I just went and um, I, uh, I just said Lord would you do it again in our time would you do it again and so we've been talking a lot about these words you'll know them in Habakkuk chapter 3 Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known, in wrath, remember mercy. And the thing that I started realizing from visiting all these places was I could try my best and make it all sound really glamorous and really holy and really spiritual. The reality was most of the places was a bit of an anticlimax. And what I realized was there was very much There's very little about the place itself that God was attached to or the buildings that they happened in. But there was something about the hearts of the people at the center of all of those sites. And I felt like God was honoring the fact that I just was there because I want to be as hungry as they are to see the movement of the Spirit come. Hungry hearts that led to sustained prayer where God thrust the burden of his heart onto them as they surrendered to his will, and they started to pray that back to them. And I just believe tonight that what the Holy Spirit just wants to do is impart faith to believe God, for an awakening of his spirit on this island. I feel like he just wants to stir you to believe again. I think he's already doing this, by the way, but i just pouring a bit more fuel on the fire by the, the grace of God tonight. He wants to stir an imagination to believe him for an awakening on this island, in this nation. And so I feel I could prophesy tonight into the middle of this community of people who love Jesus, an increased sense of hunger, a a, a desperation for his presence. I see you gathering in the days ahead with one heart in one mind and of one accord (laughs) to seek his face all over again. Like Ryan mentioned earlier, just to have these moments where we stop, to lift up our face, to see and to be captivated all over again by the beauty of Jesus. Because most people out there aren't, are pretty interested in Jesus. Yeah, they're pretty interested in conversations about Jesus. They're pretty fascinated by the person of Jesus and what they know of him. But what they're longing for is the reflection of his beauty, aren't they, often through his bride. And I just want to encourage you to be hungry for that and just tying that together with Andrew's word, I feel like as you do that, you're going to hear more and more of the whispers of his presence, the deep stillness that we relate beautifully in tonight and that we just learn to wait W A I T on the weight W E A G H T of the presence of God. The weight of his presence is just it's just increasing. Even as we're here tonight, the weight of his presence is increasing. And you see when charismatics say things like more, Lord, more, 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 more and people don't really know what they mean. The reality is it's very biblical. Because the new covenant is one degree of glory to another degree of glory. It's precept upon precept and line upon line and grace upon grace and glory to glory. And the weight of God's presence I feel like wants to increase in the days ahead and that you would have, as David would say, one thing I desire, One thing. Is that, this is what I seek, that I might gaze upon Your beauty, I might dwell in their the place where Your glory dwells. And um. And as that happened, I just I just believe that the Holy Spirit is just going to do what the Holy Spirit does. I I think I have this on the screen. I'm really challenged by this when I. When I read this, because I've we been just reading lots of revival history over the last year, this is what tells us about Azusa Street where Brother Seymour, who was the son of a one-eyed slave, the one eye he was he was blind in one eye, and um, son of a slave owners. And Brother Seymour, when the Holy Spirit broke out in that place, it says this. I think it's I think it's maybe on the screens, Adam. It says brothers, this is a, an account. Brother Seymour generally sat. Behind two empty boxes, one on top of the other. He usually kept his head inside the top one during the meeting in prayer. Like I I can't get that picture out of my head just when the Holy Spirit moves and the guy who's supposed to be leading church sits with his head inside a box. As he just rests in the presence of God and allows the Spirit to do his thing. There was no pride there. The services ran almost continually seeking souls could be found under the par almost any hour of the day or night the place was never closed or empty the people came to meet god he was always there hence a continuous meeting the meeting did not depend on the human leader god's presence became more powerful and more wonderful in that old building with its low rafters and bare floors god broke strong men and women to pieces and put them back together again for his glory it was a tremendous overhauling process. Pride and self-assertion, self-importance and self-esteem could not survive there. <laughs> the religious ego preached its own funeral service quickly. No subjects or sermons were announced ahead of time and no special speakers for such an hour. No one knew what might be coming and what God would do. All was spontaneous, ordered by the Spirit. We wanted God. And when we first reached the meeting, we avoided human contact and greeting as much as possible. We wanted to meet God first. We got our heads under a bench in the corner in prayer, and men met only in the spirit, knowing them after the flesh no more. We had no prearranged program to be jammed through in time. Our time was the Lord's. So part of me doesn't know what to make of that in some ways, and then another part of me is like, God, that's what I—that's what I long for. I just, I just—I want to show up at church, and don't get me wrong, we need to preach the word, we need to teach the word, we need to disciple people well, but there's a deep hunger in me to show up at church and actually, not just to show up at church, but to show up on the streets, and to see the presence of the Lord do what only the presence of the Lord can do and to watch people taken apart and put back together again by the presence of Jesus. And I feel like there's something happening at the moment in the atmosphere and amongst the church that is like a groaning for that, there's a deep longing for that again, for the real thing. The people here, they wanted the real thing. And people out there, I think, have got a hunch (laughs) they actually want the real thing. And God, I think, is renewing his people to set us up so that others can taste the real thing. And the beauty about the grace of God and the scandal about the grace of God and about being an 11th-hour church is that they'll get the same reward, is that they get to come to the party. And I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to release that level of groaning. In Romans chapter 8, if you were to read it, it would tell us that the Spirit of God comes as a spirit of adoption into our lives, whereby as we sung it out, we can cry, Abba, Father. But there's, 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 there's three groans in it, I think. There's, there's God's people that are groaning because it tells us that they cry out, by the Spirit of adoption, Abba, Father. So there's the groaning of intimacy. And I, I, I sense that here tonight. The groaning of Abba, Father. We don't want to find our sonship, our identity. Well, we can't find our sonship in anything else, but we don't want to find our identity in anything else other than being the beloved's. Yeah. The groaning for intimacy. Nothing else can satisfy our hearts in the way the love of the Father does. And then there's the groaning of creation. And I think <clears throat> this is the groaning of agony, the groaning of desiring liberation, the groaning of suffering. And all of creation is groaning, is crying out. And even the very fabric of creation is groaning for that day when the glory of the sons of God will be revealed. And we see that all around the world. We see it in creation, I believe, itself is groaning. And then we see it around the world in these protests that are happening all around the world. And and wherever you are politically in them, and how much or not we agree with the agendas, what we've got to recognize as a people of God who discern the times is that creation is groaning. In Lebanon, people are groaning. In Hong Kong, people are groaning. They're maybe not quite sure what they want, but they're, they're groaning. All those, that younger generation that followed, I can never say her name right, the old girl into the climate change, they're groaning. They're groaning. A younger generation are groaning. People are groaning for liberation. And I think that you may experience some of that groaning in the city around you. Um, I think that you might even become aware of that in simple ways, but in profound ways in the weeks ahead. You'll sit before council members, city workers, and you'll feel their groan, we don't know how to do anymore. We don't know how to fix this anymore. You'll sit before people in coffee shops and tears will start to come down their cheeks. As you've opened this new Hope Center, you will start to feel the groaning of creation. And then there is the groaning of the Spirit Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Sorry, I don't think I have this on the screens. In the same way, the spirit helps us with our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he searches our heart he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God of God, and we know that all things work for the good for those who love Him and have be called according to His purpose. And I, I think that the Holy Spirit, the groaning of intimacy and the groaning of agony, are coming together in the groaning of the Spirit, who I think is going to come upon you. And and so I just feel like I just want to offer this to you tonight, and you guys test it. I feel I feel there's, there's you're going to give birth to some stuff, and. And the Holy and he's probably already been doing this actually, but the Holy Spirit wants to groan through his people again. As we worship him and as we open up our hearts to him, I feel like the Spirit is going to come and pray things through you in ways that you've never prayed before. And you don't need to get freaked out about that. You don't need to get too 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 think that's weird. Because <laughs> If you've been through suffering, and like you know what it's like to groan. Yeah? And, and, and creation is longing, and God knows what it's like, and God wants to be present with people in suffering, and he wants his presence to come. And so the Spirit, some things can only come out, not in English words all the time, or not, to be honest, in a really nice, slick worship tune, as important as they are. They come out in other ways. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit, in the days ahead, will bring you into that place, because you're actually birthing something new, designs and assignments of heaven are, I think, are going to be released in and through God's people in this place. And so I want to encourage you to press into his heart, to be extravagant in your worship, to waste time on him in the days ahead, both in the silence of your own room and in your times of corporate worship. Because I think, and I'll, I'll maybe just finish with this and then we can respond. I think what the Holy Spirit is doing is maturing you into a place where he is teaching you as a people how to minister onto his heart. And this is something that we don't teach an awful lot in the church. But we see it through the Bible. Actually, the temple, in some ways, the tabernacle and the temple was set up to minister onto the Lord. The Levites were positioned to minister unto the Lord because the Lord wanted this kind of flow of deep intimacy and relationship and love flowing back and forth. yeah. And so that's why the light and the lamp never went out. And um, <clears throat> he's always been desiring that. And then, and then we see in this um, beautiful exchange, I suppose the best way to describe it is in Matthew chapter 26. I think this is on the screen. When Jesus goes to a place, just before he goes to the cross, we're told this, that when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. <laughs> Feel the religious spirit. Why this waste? This perfume could have been sold <clears throat> at a high price and given to the poor. But we're told, let me see if I can frame my notes here, the rest of that verse. It's not all that, I'm going to have to read it here. I'm going to have to cheat. When she, when she sorry, aware of this, Jesus said, then why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And when she poured perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus said about this woman who poured this expensive perfume over Jesus, she has done a beautiful thing onto me. And I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to, to affirm encourage and invite you to even more posture yourselves and create space to do what you're doing at the moment just do it more and more (laughs) and as you do it i feel like jesus wants you to know you're doing a beautiful thing onto me and the thing about it is you will have conversations about maybe even with your spouse whether or not you should come out tonight or is that a good use of time and you will maybe even at at times have conversations as a leadership team, is this really necessary? Is it really necessary to do a Sunday night and create this space where we come in and we just, is this necessary? See, the thing about perfume is it's not necessary. You can get away without it. Here's the thing, you just don't smell nice. Yeah. So when everybody else is saying, why this waste? Jesus says, She's done a beautiful thing onto me. She's done a beautiful thing unto me. And hasn't just done a beautiful thing unto me, she's done a prophetic thing onto me. Because she has prepared my body for burial. The theologians tell us that that nard was probably really strong. It was potentially a year's worth of wages. Like, you see, the thing about it is, we don't think that that's that much a year's, a year's wages. Like. But then... Some of us, 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand. Then then it starts to feel like a lot of money just to pour over Jesus. Just to pour over Jesus. To be radically generous with your love to Him because you're not just receiving His presence, you are doing that. But out of that place, you're given back to him. And I feel like the Lord wants us as his people to know in these days that he is inviting us into a place where we are ministering onto his heart. That he is giving us the privilege of knowing what it does to his heart when his kids come and worship him. And it doesn't have to be a slick worship set. It just needs to be an available and beautiful heart. And as we do that, the atmosphere changes. You've got to believe that the atmosphere is going to change. You see, the activist in me always struggles with this passage because I just want to go and change the world and start things. And so I struggle with this because I move up a bit like the disciples. And I'm thinking, what's the point? What's the point in creating spirit? What's the point? Is there a point in, like, I love worship. I love singing worship and all, but is this really changing things that my kind of pragmatic head kicks in? The beautiful thing that this passage teaches us is that Jesus connects the mission of the gospel to this passage because he says, wherever this, what gospel is preached, what she has done will be told in memory of her right so the preaching of the gospel wherever it's going to be preached is linked to an extravagant act of worship and maybe even deeper meaning do you know what the tell us to tell us that that nard was probably really really strong and this was probably 3 maybe 4 days before Jesus went to the cross interestingly he chooses to go to bethany to the place where people ministered to him in all his humanity And in all his vulnerability, a 33-year-old man, never been married. Most of his friends beginning to desert him. The crowds turned him. Where does he go? He goes to those who love him. He doesn't go to the religious institute. He goes to the place that has made a welcome for him. And it's in this place that this extravagant act of worship comes upon Jesus. And in those days... People didn't shower every day. And so it's highly likely, as Jesus hung on the cross and took his last breath, that he smelt the nard of this extravagant act of worship that this potentially broken but beautiful lady had poured over Jesus. And Jesus said, She has prepared my body for burial <laughs> and wherever this gospel is preached what she has done will be told in memory of her and so I want to say this to you every extravagant act of worship that comes from a genuine and hungry heart it will go out from here it will go out from here and believe that in faith yeah? and and so when the decisions come and the mindset comes is this really making anything different Different. the thing about it is people try to do church without the Holy Spirit and unfortunately today by the measurements that we're using for the church today it kind of works people get away with it but here's the thing it's just not beautiful it just there's just no smell there. It. It's just not. It's just not the incense and the perfume that we see in this passage. And so I just feel like what I want to encourage you to do, because the thing about it is, and this is another sermon, so I'm not going to go down this t- too much. But the thing is, when when you get the presence, you get the power. You get the provision. And you get the will of God, in the ark of the covenant. In the ark of the covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? And the Ark of the Covenant represented the manifest presence of God, the hot spot of God's presence on the earth. What was inside it? Iron's rod. That but what does that speak of? Supernatural acts of redemption. We have the Ten Commandments. What does that what does that speak of? It speaks of the will of God, the precepts of God that get written on our heart. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing at the moment is he's soft, he's tenderizing your hearts. He's softening your hearts. He's tenderizing them with his presence, so we can start to shape and mold you into his people. And what else was in it? The jar of manna. All the provision that you need is in his presence, and the incense of Moses. So when you get the when you get the presence, when we get our hearts aligned with Jesus and his lordship. We get his provision. We get his precepts written in our heart. And we get his power. Where his presence is, there his power is. And so I feel like, i just love to pray for you as I finish here. And I feel like, what I feel the Lord wants to release is that, is that groaning, <laughs> that desire in our spirit to join with the Holy Spirit, to fix our eyes on Jesus, and to release almost in this place... Um, a fresh grace, if that's the way to put it. I think there's a fresh grace in the days ahead to minister unto the Lord. To minister unto the Lord. To behold his face. Just like Rand said there. And I know you've been doing this anyway. Just, it's just a further exhortation really tonight. But just that picture of just lifting her eyes up from her feet and being captivated once again with the beauty of Jesus. And almost this reactionary, emotive, gut kind of response just to give him everything just to pour it all out upon him an extravagant worship knowing that every extravagant act of worship will go out from here to change the atmosphere and the religious spirits when they start to smell it it'll get them all sorts of angsty but remember the words of Jesus Jesus was in, when they were indignant Jesus was quick to defend this woman. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Why don't we stand? We stand. I'd just love to pray for you. Maybe the worship guys want to come and maybe just play for a moment. I'll hand over to the guys to to, to wrap, wrap things up. But just for a moment or two, maybe we could just lean towards this and... why don't we just, if if you're willing, just to receive today, why don't we just even hold out our hands in a posture of just receiving from the Lord. Just maybe where you are as we try to conclude this tonight. If you would like to do a beautiful thing unto Jesus, why don't you just tell him that tonight? you want to do a a beautiful thing on them. Even when others would see it as waste. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So Lord, I, I just want to ask you right now, Holy Spirit, that in this in this room, God. I just want to give you praise, God, for what you're already doing, your journey that's already started. Thank you that you're here. And 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 the cogs, if that's how to put it, the cogs of movement have begun already. The, thank you, Holy Spirit, that already in this place, deep is crying out the deep. And Lord, in these moments, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to release a fresh grace upon my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters in this place. A fresh grace. A fresh grace. Just let it fall. Let it come upon you. Come, Holy Spirit. Just to release, Lord, a ministry on to the Lord. Lord, I believe in the past, like many churches, there's been one or two people that have understood this maybe a little bit. And that's but what God has called them to or drawn them into. But I feel like there is like a critical mass now of people that God is drawing right in to be close to the fire, right in to be right around the fire that's being lit here. And if you're here tonight, I feel the invitation is for you to come right up, to come right up close to the fire. And I think the Lord just wants to release that grace To minister on them for extravagant worship just lord in these moments i just prayed you would unlock oh god a fresh well of desire for you jesus lord i pray in these moments that you would unlock deep in our spirits oh god a fresh well a fresh well of river a river of life a river of love that we just pour out to you jesus lord we, we 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 realize there's no king like you jesus there is no king like you, Jesus. There is no one like you, Jesus. And so in these moments, I pray, Holy Spirit, start to just rise up within us. Rise up within us and release upon us that grace to minister unto your heart. And faith, God. Faith. Faith to believe that this is what changes atmospheres. Faith, Lord, to believe that this is our intercession. Just as we as we as we receive this spirit, I just want to encourage you just to just to speak out or sing out. Let's just begin, just to lift our voices, even even if it starts gently. Just just start to minister unto the Lord. Just tell the Lord that you love Him. Tell Him that you want to love Him more. Just start to speak out, speak out. I come. On, he, he loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear.